Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence in this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on, we need to celebrate what God has done in our lives. Did you know the Bible is not simply a book that includes a lot of stories, but the whole Bible itself is one big story? It's the story of what God has done in creation, what we did to sabotage its efforts, and what God is doing now in his vast eternal plan to fix what we ruined. The main character is always God. This is important. Christianity is the only faith in which God is the one who does the heavy lifting. Every other religion, including atheism, ultimately comes down to a set of instructions for what people need to do to make things better. In the history-spanning drama that brings the Christian gospel to the world, however, God is the main actor, and we play only supporting roles. Jesus Christ entered our world and carried the burden of everything that had gone wrong. So the Bible is the account of what God has done. It is a grand story with supporting materials. While it includes plenty of foundational doctrines and important ethical teachings, the most important thing about the Bible is that it tells of what God has done in our lives. That makes it a story, the greatest story of all time. When you read the Bible, I encourage you to read it as a book of what God has done, not a book about what you should do. Rick Warren has also written about our subject today on celebrating what God has done in your life. To get back in a right relationship with God, you first have to get fed up with the way you live. Then own up to your sin, and then give up control of your life to God. Finally, you celebrate what God has done in your life. In Jesus' story of the prodigal son, it's important to notice the father's response. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Out of Luke 15-20 through 20. The prodigal father is like your heavenly father. No matter what you've done, when you come home to God, he wraps you in his love. He gives you his best and says, all is forgiven. Go get the robe, get, go get the shoes, let's have a feast. My child has returned to me. You come home to celebration, not condemnation, and God wants you to join him in a celebration by giving him your praise. You can celebrate your spiritual transformation by simply saying, thank you, God. Thank you for your grace, love, and goodness. I lift up my praise to you. The Bible says in Psalm 68, 4, Sing to the God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him, his name is the Lord. One of the easiest ways to celebrate your own transformation is by singing at church. Worship songs give you a chance to celebrate what God has done in your life and thank him. But I am not a singer, you might say. I have good news. The Bible doesn't say to make your singing sound pretty. It says make your singing joyful. You can do that. Anybody can make a joyful noise. Sing your praise to God, not just for who he is, but also for the spiritual transformation he's made in your life. Commit to celebrating God's unconditional love and grace throughout the new year. He welcomes you home with open arms. So next, I'd like to read a story, and it's probably a story that you heard before, and it's called Footprints in the Sand. It's a story about what God has done in our lives, and I think it's a good reminder about that. And here it is. On one beautiful night, a devotee, after worshiping God, went to his cozy bed for sleep. It was cold night of winter season, and in his quilt, he was having deep sleep. He had a very stunning dream. 
He dreamed that he was walking along the beautiful beach in the company of his loving God. While he was walking along the seashore, the scenes of different incidences and situations from his life flashed one by one across the dark sky. He kept moving and watching the different stages of his life, the good times as well as the bad ones. After the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back and noticed the footprints in the sand. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to his own and the other one to his Lord. All of a sudden, he noticed that at many times along the path of his life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there were only one set of footprints. This really disturbed him, so he asked to God about it. He asked, God, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there were only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you were not there for me. God laughed and after some silence whispered, My precious child, I love you and never left you. When you were fine and healthy, I used to walk beside you. So the extra pair of footprints was visible. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then when I carried you during your tough times. Whenever you were in difficulties and problems, I was still protecting you. This is one of the most beautiful writings on the love God has for us. He loves all of us equally and is always there for us in our lean periods. All of us go through difficult and tough situations that don't have a sense of God being present. However, when we look back through the hard times, we can often see God's hand at solving the problem and coming out of those tough situations. We did not realize it in the moment, but looking back, we can see where God has guided and how he has helped us to overcome. He helps to ease your pain. Though he is not visible in helping you in person, but the inner strength and courage to deal with difficulty situations is given by Almighty only. And the other factor to which we call luck is nothing but God's blessing on us, which he showers on whom he loves. This does not mean you should do anything and God will give you everything on the part of luck. You need to work to achieve anything. And a good saying is, work hard, do your best, and lean on God to do the rest. So next I want to play you a song and it's called Your Love is Life by Tommy and Eileen Walker. And here it is. Your love is life and breath and peace. Your love brings hope and grace to me. Your love, your never-ending love. It's pure and kind and powerful. 
sets me free. It breaks the power of the enemy. It cancels all of my sin and shame. It's only your love, Jesus. It's flooding now. It's flooding now. My soul with joy. Hey, what a great song by Tommy and Eileen. And here's what Tommy said regarding this song. The fact that God of the Bible is a God of love sets Christianity apart from all other religions. At the center of Christian faith is Jesus dying on the cross to prove that love for you and me. Whether it's for the first time or the 10,000th time, our prayer with this song is that you will encounter and receive his love in a life-changing way. Most of us will get to the point in our lives where we throw our hands up in the air asking, what is the point of this life? We might struggle with family or with careers or with money or health. Maybe all of these things are going well, except life seems otherwise meaningless. We pray and ask God for this or that, or we pray for knowledge and understanding only to be left in the dark. Eventually, we stop and ask, God, what are you doing in my life? 
This is a very common theme for most, and for me. Short of a few things that God chooses to talk to us and reveal things to, we often get upset because we want God to talk to us and give us insight and let us know things of the future, or at least of our future. What seems to also be a common theme when God reveals things to people is that his revelations also come with instructions. Go and deliver the message to everyone. So when we ask for revelation and prophetic dreams and these kinds of things, just understand that if God gives this, he will also likely give the responsibility to share the message with others. God is anything but selfish. Anything he does is done to benefit of the church, which we all know the church is us. We are given spiritual gifts to encourage, to teach, to serve, to prophesy, and to lead. These types of giftings are pointless if we keep them to ourselves, just like Revelation. Likewise, if we are at the point in life when we are asking God what it is that he is doing in us, through us, or for us, then we need to first look at what it is that we are doing for him. We were created by God to serve God, not for God to serve us. If you have this backwards, we can be sure that God will patiently wait for us to get turned around into the right direction, even if it means that our prayers and petitions get put on hold. Proverbs 16.9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. God, who strategically created the heavens and the earth and all that's in it, is an unorganized God. There's nothing that occurs to God. He already knows what he will do and what the outcome will be. We talk to God as though he's in the dark about things, as though he doesn't know what, what he's doing. I am personally guilty of this. I pray about something and after a few days of nothing, then I start questioning God's ability to perform. I know I'm not the only one who does this, but this isn't something that we're simply destined to do. As I grow in my faith and learn more about the character of God, I can see that he does hear the prayers of his children. All throughout scripture, people say to God about this or that. The common theme is that he works everything out for good of those who love him, out of Romans 8:28. If we could see the plan the way God sees the plan, we wouldn't throw our hands up in despair, but instead praise God continuously and live in peace and joy. God's plan is for us to believe in his Son and to share the good news about Jesus with others in the world. This is his first and most important plan. A plan to comfort us isn't necessarily true. We see God as the one who to take away our pain and hurts and struggles and sufferings, but his plan for each of us doesn't necessarily include rescuing us out of our storm. But he does remind us that his grace is sufficient and that he will keep us through the storms. As we pray each day, we are wise to bring our prayers to God with boldness, hope, and expectation. But we are also wise to pray that God will be done in our lives. Then, leave it with him, knowing that he will work it out in the best way possible. Psalm 27.14 says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So I'm also guilty of not giving God a chance to answer my prayers. Like I said above, within a short time after praying about something, I'm already looking for ways that I can help God get things done. Well, obviously, God doesn't need my help to do anything. But isn't this the way we can get sometimes? God is God of patience. 
He is not slow in his doings. We ask for financial help for something and we think of God as someone who can just snap his fingers and make the money appear in our lap. Well, I'd say he certainly could, but again, this isn't his character. What is his character, however, is to grow us. When we pray for financial help, God understands that we need help. But he doesn't often simply vanish debt or bills. Instead, he often sends someone to share their money with us, to help us with what we need. Why does he do it this way? If we pray at 10 a.m. for financial blessings and at 10.30 the money just appears beside us, then how do we grow? God wants us to grow our trust in him, and we know that trust takes time to build. We know that when we wait on him to work in our lives, this builds our character. This builds our patience, our faith, and even our attitudes. Likewise, God will generally seek out someone to help us. This is because then God also gets to do a work in their life. He will prompt someone else to be generous, quite possibly someone who struggles with greed and stinginess. By doing this, the person gets an opportunity to practice good stewardship and generosity. There are characteristics that God wants in each of us. So, if you're praying for something and it seems like God is slow or isn't acting accordingly, just understand he's always has a plan to bless us and to grow us, and he generally works in a way that benefits many at once. Learning to patiently trust God with our prayers is an important part of growing our relationship with God. So we also need to learn to be content in his blessing. Out of Philippians 4, 11-13, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Learning patience when we've never practiced it can be a challenge. If you are used to getting things easy in life or used to not having to go without, being told by God to wait can be difficult. But if we can learn to trust God and wait patiently, we will find that this grows our contentment muscle. I call it that because, like any muscle, it only grows through use. It's not quick growth either, but contentment is like a blessing to us when we learn it. It's the endurance we build to patiently weather the storms and to maintain a composure of joy and calmness. I have struggled hard with discontentment in my life, always wanting things right here and right now. I had zero patience or tolerance in hard times. I would make a poor choice and instantly be met by, with consequences. Then I'd go to God and ask him to deliver me from the pain of my choice. Of course, God wants us to learn how to grow, so he isn't quick to deliver us from discipline, especially if it's an important lesson for us. Over the years, I'm finding that my contentment muscle is growing some, even if it's a snail's pace. But God is faithful to keep it at us and keep giving us the opportunity to grow. We must understand that there are people in impoverished parts of the world who are going without basic necessities every day. People who still sing praise and worship to God. If these folks can do it in their lack, why can't people like me do it with all I have? This brings me back to the importance of contentment and understanding. When we are content with whatever we have, 
we are essentially saying to God, it's okay, Lord. I know that you love me and that you have a plan for me and that at the exact right time you will show your glory in my life. This is the attitude that pleases the Lord. And when we're going through hard times, it can build our faith. Out of James 1, 2-4, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When we have to go through hard times or wait on the Lord during a storm in our life, it isn't at this time where our faith builds. If we have no faith, we have frantically paced back and forth, fearing the end of the world. But when we go to God in prayer during the hard times, and then patiently endure while going about worshiping God, our relationship with God will flourish to unbelievable levels. God wants us to focus on Him first, and second, He wants us to focus on others. If we have something to eat, and if we are healthy enough to move about, then He wants us to spend our time doing His will. Even in the midst of our hardest times in life, He wants us to go about being a blessing to others. Sure, we can wail and moan about our situation and cry out to him in anguish, but we can also go out and do something productive in the name of God's kingdom. I am learning that doing God's work, even in hard times, is a great way to feel good about life. I am learning that being a blessing to others brings good feelings, and in some cases, blessings back to myself. We are going to have hard times. There are prayers that we send off to God that are going to seem to disappear. It's how we act during these times of waiting or during the storms of life that will reveal our true character. It is in these times where God will see our true character and he will show us what needs to be corrected. It's a refining process. It's not punishment. Everything God does for us, including refining us through difficulties and testing, is to make us better and stronger. When he gets us to a point of maturity in our spirit, then we will be the most beneficial to him and his kingdom. Instead of crying out to God, God, what are you doing in my, with my life? Try crying out to God, God, what would you like to do with my life? I'm betting that God will show up and start revealing new things to you. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham called Life is Short, Live every day for God. And here it is. Time is short. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. If I told, if someone had told me when I was 20 years old that life was very short and would pass just like that, I wouldn't have believed it. And if I tell you that, you don't believe it either. I cannot get young people to understand how brief life is, how quickly it passes. It seems like yesterday I was in school. Every one of us here has been given the same amount of time in a day. 1,440 minutes a day, 168 hours per week. 70 years God allows us. And it's interesting to me with all of our medical science, We've never passed that magic mark. The average American male today lives 70 years and four months. The average female, 73 years and six months. More people live to be 70, but the average 
age of an American is still 70, as taught in the scriptures. What a thing it is when you think that you have just one short life to spend and it'll soon be over. I'd write down my priorities in life and I'd get committed to certain priorities. Now is the accepted time. The things we ought to do, the classes we ought to take, the books we ought to read, do it now. The family that needs you, spend more time now. Write that letter home now that you've been meaning to write. Money you ought to give, give now. Time for study, do it now. People you ought to witness to, do it now. Every time the clock ticks, it seems to say now, today, if you will hear his voice. There may not be a tomorrow for you and for me because there's a warning to time. Time is running out for all of us. Time is too short for indecision and vacillation. Do not halt between two opinions. Fools say that time is long. Every morning we have 86,400 seconds to spend and to invest. And each day the bank named time opens a new account for you and for me. It allows no balances and no overdrafts. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. The Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil and the days in which we're living are very evil. If there was ever a time for the gospel that can transform the human heart, it's now. Jesus said as long as it is day, we must do the work of him that sent us. The night is coming when no man can work. The night is going to come in your life. Yet there was a serenity about the work of the Lord Jesus. It's the quality of life, not the length. Jesus only had 33 years and it ended on the cross. To the world, he was a failure at that moment. Yet at the end of his life, he said, I finished the work that thou gavest me to do. It doesn't matter whether you live another year or two years or five years. Will your work be finished? Is there a quality to it? Is there a dedication to it? Suppose all of our members tithe their time to witness for Christ as we tithe our income for the church. Fill your heart with the word of God. I've found that those who know the scriptures are the ones that have the power today. But we need men and women who walk with God. And if you do that, you too can finish the work that God gave you to do help us to realize the brevity and the urgency of time and may we invest what little time we have in the kingdom of God. So that does bring us to the end of our episode today. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. Next week's episode is going to be on rest in God. Hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. I hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.